Alrighty. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Wayfarers Christian Church Deep Dive Podcast. My name is Nick Griffin. I am the lead pastor here at Wayfarers. If this is your first time joining us for this podcast, we use it for a variety of different things at this point. I don't feel like I have a consistent intro because we've used this deep dive for all kinds of things. But usually, uh, we use it as an opportunity to dive deeper in the topics that we cover in our Sunday services. Recently, we have been doing a different type of deep dive where we've been diving deeper into the core values of our church. And if you want to hear the story about how we kind of got on this topic, you should go listen to last week's episode Mm. uh, where you can kind of hear a little bit about how uh, Jacob called us out for having core values that we never talk about uh, in the church. And so uh, we're we're changing that. This is this is our this is our attempt to remedy that. We're going to be using this uh, podcast as an opportunity to really uh, explain what we mean by each of these different points in our core values. But before I get into that, I want to introduce you to everybody else that's here with me. Over to my right today, we got Jacob Dooley, our connections pastor. Hey, everybody! Across from me is everybody's favorite, always coming with the amazing questions <laughs> and really good insight, the fan favorite, Ashley Wakefield. Hey, everybody. And over to my left is our teaching pastor, Noah Randolph, the producer extraordinaire of this show mm. and basically everything else that we do. Uh, <laughs> uh, we had a little mini freak out moment on Sunday because uh, Noah didn't think he was going to be able to come and we were like, oh, no. What are we going to do about our uh, service? But he made it here. He's producing the show. He's producing everything else. Uh, always does a great job. Say hi to everybody now. Hey, everybody. And as I mentioned at the beginning, my name is Nick. I'm the lead pastor here. So we're diving into uh, our core values. Um, they We explained last week that they all kind of make up this acronym uh, that spells out Christ. Uh, and so we started with the first one, CARE the C in Christ. Now, today, we are moving on to the H, humility, and what we mean specifically by that. Um, (laughs) We touched on it briefly in last week's episode. There were a few moments where we kept saying, gotta wait till next week. We're gonna talk (laughs) about that. Uh, And as you'll see, hopefully, when you listen to this whole series, a lot of these tend to overlap. But um, humility, I would say, is especially important given the current climate of a lot of churches that we're in. So we're usually starting out here, letting Jacob read uh, the the definition that we have posted on our website for humility. So why don't you hit us with that, Jacob? Yeah, and so for a little background on this, uh, this is a little bit of an updated version than I think the one we have posted currently. Yeah. Um, so this we'll, one will be posted. Yeah, we'll have it updated before this episode goes okay. up. So. What you're reading now will also be on the website. Will it? Yes. Uh, um, So the uh, verses that we've used, we actually have two uh, that we've used for humility. The first one is Philippians 2, 8 through 9. And being found in appearance as man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. And the second verse is Matthew 20, verse 28. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. So as a uh, church staff, this is the definition that we've come up with. We believe that Christ's leadership was lived out in humility. 
He accepted a crown, but not a crown of gold or silver, but of thorns. In this, we recognize that all followers of Jesus must live as he lived. Our leadership team hopes to embody this uh, through by? That's the typo. (laughs) Our leadership team hopes to embody this by being honest about our weaknesses, serving those in need, and not taking ourselves too seriously. <laughs> which we embody in this podcast. <laughs> I almost feel like we should leave a typo in just to humble ourselves. Just for that reason. Yeah, <laughs> perfect one to leave a typo in. Yeah. Um, and so all of our different core values, we would hope, start to apply to everyone in the church, especially, mm-hmm. you know, all our members. And it's just kind of the atmosphere that we are surrounded by here at the church. But this one in particular... Uh, you can even hear in the definition that Jacob read. We feel like especially we wanted to apply to the leadership because that's going to be one of the areas where you are uh, most going to have to actually make it a core value and not just a thing that exists. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, uh, I don't know. I, I, there's got a million different ways we can go in this. Do you guys have any particular direction you want to start with? Well, maybe you should start with, uh, you mentioned... Uh, the current climate yeah. of times yeah. and maybe for some listeners they're maybe not as informed about that and maybe that's a great place to start just kind of setting the scene for what the current climate looks like for us and then talking about why uh, humility is a way of addressing that. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. I did tease that and then didn't bring it back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, let's let, let's talk into that a little bit. And I guess specifically what I mean by that. Um, Recently, we've seen a lot of church leaders who have uh, had various moral failings, very public uh, failings of their ministry um, for a lot of different reasons. And you've seen kind of a a rash of stories coming out of people who uh, have been telling their stories about uh, spiritual abuse in the church, you know, Mm. I guess they would call it specifically. there is a new podcast I just heard of um, that uh, it was. It's called something like um, "Left Behind the Bus," and it's a uh, quote. Uh, it's referencing a quote by one of the more famous pastors that had this recent fall from grace. Um, a pastor I mentioned in a sermon a few months ago called Mark Driscoll. Uh, Mark Driscoll had this famous quote that. Um, a lot of people have been quoting for a long time where he talked about the church he had started Mars Hill as being this bus that was going somewhere. He said, we're on this bus, we got places to go and we're trying to get as many people on the bus as possible. And that was their idea of, you know, bringing as many people into the kingdom, getting as many people to know Jesus, getting as many people on the bus. And he said, if we've got to run over a few people (laughs) to make that bus go, then that's fine. And he said, that he was proud of the pile of bodies that were piling up behind (laughs) the Mars Hill bus. Um, That's a very anti-two statement, by the way. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah, definitely. And It sounded so morbid, though. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And he was speaking at a pastor's conference, and, you know, Mark Driscoll has a tendency towards exaggeration, but his point being that uh, you're going to, you're just going to run over people in the process of doing ministry, I guess. And he thought that that was fine. Well, Um, and, and maybe to clarify a little bit, because he, he would point to a lot of verses like, 
the gospel is not for the world. It offends the people of the world right. and things like that. And so he was often uh, mortified that uh, churches were trying to make the gospel as uh, easy to understand. And, right. you know, he, he, he saw offending people and running over people with that bus as the gospel hmm. offending people not him offending people is right. the way he kind of viewed it right and you know he uh very much liked certain verses of the bible that you could use to defend that perspective um he you know there's verses that talk about uh when somebody refuses to listen to you you know shake the dust off your feet just leave them and keep going you know so his his whole point being like uh, I, and I think he even said this in a few times where his frustration was churches that were going to bend over backwards to try to please people, please to try to please people mm -hmm. in the church um, who were standing in the way of the bus. You know, these people are getting in the way of what we're doing and churches are uh, stopping the bus to try to people, please these people. And he was just saying, we're not doing that. We're bowling them over. They better get out of the way or they're just going to get run over. But, this podcast that I mentioned earlier that was talking about getting left behind the bus or something like that is a podcast series um, where the hosts of it have been going around and interviewing people who were hurt by churches. <laughs> and it's just a place for them to share their stories of being, um, you know, overlooked, run over by the bus, basically. <laughs> um, and uh, the avalanche of stories that they have received has meant that they have content for seasons of episodes uh, to come up, and it's become a very popular series as people go and they listen and they hear stories of how various churches have um, hurt them, have run them over with the bus. And so, uh, like you mentioned, Noah, the, he had his, some verses that maybe he interpreted his way. Last week we talked about how important care is to us. So obviously if you care about people... <laughs> mm -hmm. um, you're not going to run over, run them over with a bus. Uh, <laughs> um, but the the big thing is that, as with a lot of these things, there's kind of this middle ground of realizing when certain difficult people are never going to be happy. So don't kill yourself trying to help the difficult people who are never going to be happy. And also realizing, as many of the stories on this podcast show, sometimes it's really honest people who are bringing up really good and valid criticisms. <laughs> Um, and, uh, and you run the risk of, uh, running over people who are trying to help you not hurt you. Hmm. Um, and this is the biggest reason that I think that this, uh, core value is so important, especially for leadership. Um, whenever you have had success or whenever you've been in charge and whenever you have the decision making authority, you have a, uh, tendency to let that go to your head. <laughs> to start to think that you're really great, that you're the smartest person who knows every the best way to do everything. And um, the the real value humility does is it kind of pumps the brake on that bus every once in a while a little bit mm -hmm. and lets you realize that you are, uh, you're not always all that. You need to be able to listen to other people and you need to have the humility to um, uh, let other people drive the bus. I'm just, I'm going to continue this metaphor the whole way through. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and, uh, honestly, the reason I was connecting it to issues recently is because it's not just Mark Driscoll. There's so many stories that have come up of different pastors and a lot of them, when you look in their stories, you realize that 
at least at certain points in time, they really were doing really, really awesome things. And a lot of people um, speak very highly of them. But the common thread that I keep noticing over and over and over again is that they start to get to this point to where they lose the humility to be able to listen to people that are <laughs> telling them to pump the brakes a little bit and uh, get a little in their own head, let it go a little bit too much of their head. And um, it's kind of that common um, uh, refrain over and over again, regardless of what the moral failing ended up being later on mm -hmm. that I just keep saying happen over and over again with all these mm -hmm. leaders. Mm -hmm. um, it reminds me of no you're the you're the C.S. Lewis expert here tell me if this is correct but I, I believe Lewis said at one point that he believes that pride is at the source of all sin he does um, he does that's in mere Christianity yeah um, and so that's a very interesting point <laughs> uh, yeah chapter 8 of mere Christianity he calls it the great sin mm -hmm. um, and as I said with these leaders I've seen it come up over and over and over again you know pride is kind of being the opposite of humility have you guys noticed that same trend yeah i i definitely have and i even noticed like um the people and i i've seen this happen a lot more often with older members of the church not so much younger not to say that it wouldn't but i've seen it a lot more with older is that sometimes the people tend to view um the person in leadership the same way that they view themselves once they start to become very I don't know, arrogant or not wanting mm -hmm. to listen. Like they start putting the pastor on a pedestal almost as if he or she is more important than, you know, what what God is saying or who God is. It's sort of like whatever he or she wants to do, we're not going to question. We're just going to come into agreement with it kind mm -hmm. of thing. And it's almost sort of like, but there isn't anything wrong with correction. There's nothing wrong with disagreeing. Not to mention that, you know, understanding that the person who is in charge is still human, just like we all are. And so right. mistakes can be made. And so it's to me, because we had like a, a disagreement about this in our um, Bible study once. I was like literally the only person who said this. And um, <laughs> fun. <laughs> and so, uh, and this is like I said, like this is nothing against, you know, the church I go to or anything. It's just like the mindset of the people. It's not the church itself. It's just, there was this question that one of um, our our teachers were, were teaching us because it wasn't the pastor who was teaching. He allowed somebody else to teach. And so um, our pastor was sitting in there while we were having this conversation. So it was super awkward, at least on my end. But he asked the question, like, if your pastor told you to do something, but then God told you to do something different, who would you listen to? So everybody except me was like, oh, I would just do what the pastor said to do. And I was just like, um, yeah, so I would not do that. I was like, God, whatever God tells me to do is what I am going to do. And they were like, well, but he's the pastor. He's going to do it. And I'm like, I understand that. And I'm like, if there's something that he wants to do solely for the, the house, you know, that's fine because, you know, he's in leadership there. That's what he wants done. I'm fine with that. But if it's something in regard to my personal life, then it's like I have more control over that than I do about what goes on it you know, the church, because I'm not in control, of the, uh, in control of the church, I'm in control of my life and the choices that I make. So if God tells me to do one thing, then I'm going to do that no matter what anybody else says. Yeah. And so everybody else was just like, no, that's not okay. That and I was just like, okay, well, <laughs> y'all do what y'all want to do, you know? Yeah. Uh, no, this is the, the, there's two things I, that you made me think of mentioning there. First off, um, you, you've noticed it maybe, uh, being an, an unfortunate side effect that you've noticed in older people mm -hmm. is that you start to lose, uh, you start to gain a little bit of arrogance and a little bit of like yeah. set in your ways kind of way of thinking. Um, Noah and I were just talking about this a couple days ago about how uh, 
some of the uh, most naturally humble situations are when you are a child or children specifically because you know that you're not an adult yet. You know, you know that you're not big enough, strong enough, smart enough, capable enough to do things. And so you're fine uh, being humble and relying on other people to do what you need to do. And as you get older is when you start to think, I'm, I've got it figured out. I have enough authority and power to do this. Mm-hmm. Usually so, around 10 or 11. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so this is yeah. why it's important. I think this is part of why Jesus says that we must be childlike mm-hmm. to enter the kingdom of heaven. You know, there's this this connection between the people who are in the kingdom and childlikeness. And I think at least one aspect of that childlikeness is the humility of understanding. Mm-hmm. I'm not the one who's in charge here. Mm-hmm. Which leads me to my second point being that, like we all said, I think we would all agree, you do what God tells you to do as the ultimate authority. Yeah. <laughs> and I think one of the biggest reasons humility has become such a, is so central to the Christian faith is because um, we know that we're not the ones that are in charge of our lives mm-hmm. <laughs> and we know that God is. And, um, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a, a marked shift that really defines a Christian which involves humbling yourself to the point of letting somebody else be Lord. You know, that's literally the uh, the confession of Christianity is that Jesus is Lord and you're submitting uh, yourself to him as being in charge. Yeah, and that kind of reminds me of what we were learning. Because I know you had walked in and you asked us last night what we were doing and we were learning about the APES, like the different fivefold ministries. And so I know that um, we've talked about meekness before mm-hmm. in our ministry and i know that garrett defined it as this and so did rick wood he was saying that meekness is like strength under control and i never really understood that but i suppose i can understand that idea better and this just may be my interpretation of that but the idea of how the fivefold ministry helps keep leadership in control understanding that it's not just the leadership's responsibility to do everything but it's broken up into five different groups so that we all play a source and play a part in that. And so we were also talking about the issue of the prophet and how like um, prophets, when you see them like rise up a lot more during Kings, because the prophets are supposed to be keeping the Kings lined up with what God wants them to do. So it's the idea that like everybody is broken off into those five different groups to keep everybody in check. Like the prophets, you know, they keep the leader in check to make sure that he's doing what he's supposed to do. And we all keep each other in check and share that responsibility. So it's the idea that one person is not holding the power alone. So that one person is not saying, oh, I'm just going to run off and do this whole thing, that we're all keeping each other in check, basically. Mm. Yeah, uh, that is a good way of transitioning into this first verse that Jacob read that we think is really important for a lot of this. Because I've never heard that definition of meekness, but that's good. Um, because, uh, you know, children are humble in a certain way because they just our children they don't mm-hmm. have the, they really aren't strong enough or smart enough mm-hmm. or whatever to do what they need to do um the difference comes when you get when you would have the strength or the ability to do something but mm-hmm. you choose not to mm-hmm. strong arm it not to force it and i think that's the example that jesus ultimately sets for us you know the ultimate example of that humility and meekness um because you <laughs> the I I can't imagine the temptation Jesus faced constantly in his life to just be like 
we're I just am gonna do this. Right. Like we're just gonna force it to happen. Um, because you know he had the the strength, you know he had the ability, you know he had the power to. That's honestly the temptation that um Satan has for him, you know, is just trying to get him to use his power mm-hmm. <laughs> to get things done. Um, but what Philippians two shows us is that Jesus, who had all of this power, chose to lay it down mm-hmm. and chose to you know, be meek in that way, keep that power under control. Um, and why I've always particularly liked Philippians 2 is because in it, Paul says that we are supposed to imitate Jesus in that, um, that the same way that he laid down that power, we are supposed to do the same thing, whatever those um, abilities or powers that we have may be, um, you know, the the calling of the Christian is to be humble. Uh, I read a really good quote once where they were talking about um, values that were important to the ancient world and where there was overlap with them in Christianity. And, you know, things like some of the other values on ours, like trust and care and ritual, are things that are important to us, important to Christians, but, you know, a lot of non-Christians would also tell you mm-hmm that's also really important to me. Like that's also a core value. And this was the same in the ancient Greek and Roman world. You know, they valued a lot of these, the one value that became very important to Christians that the rest of the world was like, what are you talking about? That's not a virtue. That's not an important value was uh, humility. You can actually kind of see it in uh, the texts of the time, you know, the ancient Christian texts, including the Bible, versus other texts. The quote I was reading was comparing it specifically to ancient Greek philosophers, especially Stoic philosophers. And they were talking about virtue and what makes a man a good man. And uh, you can find a lot of the virtues that Paul lists in the Bible in those Stoic uh, values and virtues, you know, Mm -hmm. self-control and all kinds of other things like that. The one that you never find in the Stoics, but you do find in Christianity, is um, humility. And again, I think that's informed by the fact that we are imitating uh, a king who uh, laid down that power. And a bit of it, too, is the historical significance of the cross, having Mm -hmm. God die naked Mm -hmm. on a cross, you know, and uh, the Romans taking that image and making fun of Christians for the next 200 years about the fact that the God they claim was someone that died in the most embarrassing and humiliating way possible. Like that's where we get the word uh, humility from is humiliation, you know, and it's that kind of uh, relationship between believing in God dying naked in front of everybody looking Mm -hmm. on and laughing at him. Uh, I think that plays a part in it as well. I've never made that connection before, Noah. Yeah, <laughs> That's really I didn't cool. even know that. Um, but yeah, you're right. We we always think of the cross. I, I think in our context, we especially think of the pain of the cross. That's the thing I always heard emphasized by preachers, mm-hmm. you know, most painful way to die. And it was painful and he suffered and he died and it was for you and for your sins. But we miss how, humiliate, how humiliating and embarrassing <laughs> the cross was 
in particular. Um, the reason the Romans had lots of painful ways to kill people. You know, they mm-hmm. could they could kill people in lots of painful ways. But the uniqueness um, of crucifixion was that it was supposed to be embarrassing, humiliating, uh, degrading. Um, the a lot of the text you see the reason the Romans did that is because they were trying to send a message to everybody else mm-hmm. who would think to do whatever they there's a there was a famous uh, Jewish revolt no you might remember when this was but I don't know if you've heard this story but there was famous the Jews revolted a lot but there was one, <laughs> one of the famous Jewish revolts uh, Rome went in and captured a lot of these revolutionaries and uh, crucified every single one and they placed them at every mile marker along a road. So leading the whole road into Jerusalem for miles, every single mile, there was another crucified rebel. Um, so that your whole walk into Jerusalem was just surrounded by the humiliation of these. And so uh, that was why they did it. And little did they know, as is, as is true with the whole... Uh, crucifixion story they were actually uh, playing perfectly into exactly right. what god was intending to show us in that moment which um is really the you know the god of the universe the king of kings lord of lords uh utterly naked and humiliated and dying um and, and i think yeah. another part of that to me reminds me of what you brought up earlier about weakness and I think that's a, a really great thing. And another thing about being humble, I think sharing your weaknesses with one another, um, that allows you to be humble and it gives other people the ability to be humble too. Because it kind of reminds me of the um, um, the podcast that we would do over people's spiritual journeys and how they would talk about mm-hmm. difficult things they would go through. And so when I was reading this book called The Gift of Imperfections, it also talks about the same thing about, you know, sharing your stories with others and how powerful that can be. And it gives other people power and strength to do the same thing. And so it's like the idea that everybody can relate to pain and suffering and humiliation. Like everybody can't relate to success or money or, or marriage or children, but everybody can relate to what it's like to suffer or to be humiliated. And so when you're sharing that with other people, not only is it humbling for you, but then it's also powerful for other people and it gives them the ability to show their weakness, which also creates more power. And it kind of reminds me of how God says that, like, well, Paul says it in his one, in one of his letters about how um, in our weakness, you are made strong. So it's like the idea that when we're being humble and weak, that God is getting increase and he's getting glory out of that situation. So, mm. Yeah. That's good. That's a good cross reference as well. <laughs> um, as I said, this is something that's present all throughout the scriptures. You can just start cross referencing mm-hmm. humility passages mm-hmm. all over the place. Um, and as is always the difficulty when you start talking about humility, um, I always, when I think of humility, I always think of this um, verse in the Pentateuch where it says Moses was the most humble. Mm-hmm. Um, Pentateuch, by the way, is the first five books of the Bible. Yeah, sorry. You didn't know. <laughs> uh, Numbers 12.3 tells us that Moses was the most humble man on the face of the earth. Um, <laughs> and uh, especially with um, the tradition being that Moses is the one that wrote a lot of this, you start to get really confused. And it's like, how can how can you write that you are also the most humble person on the face <laughs> of the earth? Isn't that counterintuitive? Isn't that <laughs> um, uh, going against what uh, what it is? But um, with all of that said, 
I think we're going to try to do that a little bit here in Wayfarers. <laughs> um, not that we are perfect in being humble, but there's a few things that we have tried to do to mm-hmm. embody that humility um, in some form uh, or another. The first one being what you said, Ashley, people can relate to weakness. And so we have tried especially not to put on a face that isn't true to what we're actually feeling or to how um, weak or uh, downtrodden we may feel in one particular point in time. Um, I've tried to do this in sermons, and I know uh, Noah has done it with the way he teaches certain passages and different things like that. Um, We try to just be honest about some of these things are things that we still... (laughs) have not figured out or that we still do not understand or that we still are struggling with in some form or another. I actually had a, uh, I don't remember who it was, but I I had someone specifically once try to kind of caution me. They had heard one of my sermons and they felt like I was being too (laughs) transparent in my own weaknesses. And they were saying that that might make it difficult for people to want to follow you, you know, because if you're the leader, they don't want to know that the leader is, having such a hard time, as you said, you know, on stage. And even though I think they meant well, I just have disagreed with that in a lot of ways. Um, Because like you said, Ashley, I think people sometimes feel the opposite when they feel like you are too put together and perfect. Mm -hmm. And when you don't share the things that you are going through with them, uh, they don't feel like they can relate to you. Yeah, because I... There was a, a pastor that I l- used to listen to all the time. I haven't listened to him in a while, and I probably should, but his name was Ron Carpenter, and I know one of the things that he did that I really admired was being honest about the struggles in his personal life because he talked about two things. One was the fact that his wife cheated on him, and so he talked about how he had a really you know hard time like forgiving her for it and how he was just like he didn't want to give her anything. like He didn't want to give her any money. He wasn't going to take her back, and so God basically – convinced him to forgive his wife and take her back and renew their marriage and that was one thing the second thing he talked about was his son being a drug addict and how he had to deal with you know kind of removing his son from the home and kind of putting him into rehab and how difficult that was so it didn't turn me off it actually made me want to listen to him more because he was like the only pastor at the time that I actually heard be honest about their struggles because there's this idea that because you're the leader you're not supposed to show any weakness you're supposed to pretend like you have it all together because you're supposed to be telling everybody else what to do but nobody can tell you what to do or anything like this so it's like the idea that I have problems just like everybody else or they have problems like everyone else and mm-hmm. so I just because I've been called to be a pastor or a leader does not mean that I'm exempt from difficulties you know when you think about the same thing with like King David which was an example we used in our ministry last night about um you know keeping that power in check is that even though he was the king you know he cheated on his he not cheated but he had an affair with Bathsheba and then the prophet Nathan had to come and correct him and then there was a punishment for that so it's the idea that just because someone is a leader does not mean that they're exempt from experiencing pain and suffering from making mistakes from having family problems or whatever so it's Mm -hmm. more admirable to do that it's definitely something that you see uh uh, throughout the whole Bible, like in the Old Testament, the New Testament, mm-hmm. all of the people that are praised in some form or another, they're like, these are good examples. You don't just get the good stories about right. them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, every single character in the Bible who um, is praised at some form or another, uh, you also get their uh, shortcomings and mm-hmm. the areas where they yeah. fail. Um, you know, lot 
famous example with David you mentioned there, but I've always really been um, uh, motivated by the stories with uh, Peter mm-hmm. in the New Testament. You know, he uh, he's super proud and thinks he has it all together at the very beginning and is constantly having to be uh, knocked down a few pegs by Jesus to the point to where he actually does just deny Jesus, deny knowing Jesus. And then he, uh, the, the, the gospel of John ends with him being reinstated. Mm -hmm. And so you would think, wow, great story, fall and then return. You jump ahead a few years and you have a story that Paul tells Mm -hmm. (laughs) later on about, once again, having to confront right. Peter about refusing to um, eat with Gentiles. Mm-hmm. And uh, the the stories around Peter grow in the church history. And if you're familiar with Catholicism, they start, they uh, consider Peter to be the first pope. And it's very interesting to me that the, if, if even for the quote unquote first pope, you have stories multiple stories of um, his own failures and weaknesses. So we try um, to be honest about those um, in hopes that it helps people to connect with us and and helps us to stay humble and not sort of pretend otherwise. Um, I will admit that I think for me personally, uh, this is always really hard because uh, we... Here at Wayfarers are big fans of this personality typing system called the Enneagram. <laughs> I'm an Enneagram 3, which means I'm a achiever. I care about success. I care about image. I care about how people think about me. Um, and so my temptation is to uh, to lie, to stretch the truth, to uh, conveniently eliminate mentioning certain facts uh, whenever I am uh, presenting my own self-image because I want people to think well of me. And so this pastor who was criticizing me for being too honest in my sermons, I think probably uh, did not understand that I've, I've actually been like even maybe more extreme and intentionally trying to do that because um, I'm going to, I'm going to naturally try to make myself look as good as possible. That's just my personality weakness in a lot of ways. And so uh, because I believe this is so important, it's why I've kind of almost tried to overcorrect in some ways. And it's like, I'm going to be, as um as honest as i can attempt to be uh with my weaknesses so as to kind of counteract some of that image maintenance that is so uh common for me yeah and i'll be honest on my part uh i have a oddly similar but different way that i struggle with that where for me as an enneagram 4 my temptation is to use my weakness as a self-pity party from the stage to get people to uh, mm-hmm. like feel sorry for me, you know, mm-hmm. which is, you know, you wouldn't think that that's pride, but it is. It's just a different form of it. Mm-hmm. And it's exactly has the same outcome as you as, oh, look at how like, you know, self-defacing he is yeah. on stage or whatever. And uh, it's just as bad. It's yeah. just on the different angle of it. And, uh, so I, I, as a four, that's one of our things that we do is we tend to use that as a way of earning favor with people. And yeah, uh, yeah I think I think that that's uh, <laughs> the other side of the coin. Is it's not just that, but it's also also can be done through self pity and 
uh, manipulation through right. suffering. Yeah. yeah, and so that's why just talking badly about yourself doesn't necessarily equal humility, mm-hmm. as you're saying. Yeah. You know? yeah. Sometimes talking badly about yourself is actually just a way to puff yourself up mm-hmm. even more. Because yeah. that um, kind of reminds me, because I was going to say the same thing that you and Noah said, is that, because I didn't know anything about this stuff until I came here until you guys told me about it, but then I found out I was type 1, which is the perfectionist, which makes yeah. perfect sense with me, which is why I was reading the book, The Gifts of Imperfection by Brene uh, Brown, so mm-hmm. that I could learn how to accept the fact that I'm not perfect, you know, and also, because I know, I think one of the things that type 1 does, like getting mad at other people for not being perfect, right. and then also, you're not wanting to show other people your imperfections, because you're, cons- you're all always concerned about what other people think about you and so you feel like you have to be perfect so that other people will see you in the right way and it's sort Mm. of just accepting the fact that you're never going to be perfect and neither is anybody else and just I think a part of this is one thing she talked about in the book like the difference between fitting in and belonging is that when you're fitting in you're basically examining what's going on around you and doing and saying things to fit into that atmosphere but belonging is when you can completely be yourself and be accepted for that so the idea that like if you want to form the right kind of relationships, you have to focus on being imperfect and then allowing other people to accept you for that instead of just trying to be what you think they want you to be out of their perception of you. So, mm. yeah. Mm. That's great. <laughs> what was the book you said you were reading? Is it Brene Brown? <laughs> yeah, uh, The Gifts of Imperfection. That sounds interesting. I might have to check that out. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, you know, there's, there's different ways that you can, uh, weakness are connected with humility, but they're not, the same thing Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so the second part of it uh reason i was bringing all that up is because this one is especially difficult for me is that we don't try to take ourselves too seriously and for me this is a big try we were actually just joking about this before the podcast came (laughs) up oh no i don't like silly i don't like uh uh humorous even lots of times that's something i've realized uh was a difficulty in a lot of my life growing up um with my family uh there was this tendency to be like uh, you got to be, uh, I don't know, you got to achieve, you got to succeed, you know, you got to do things really well. Not my immediate family, I will say. My parents have always been great. But extended family, I felt a lot of pressures from family. I just saw the movie Encanto, and I definitely <laughs> cried at the end because oh. it was very, uh, <laughs> yeah, very hit very close to home with a lot of things that I've been experiencing myself. Um, but because of that, it was always really hard for me to uh have people make fun of you you know Mm -hmm. and i remember even especially as a teenager and stuff like that i would just like hate when people would make fun of me Mm -hmm. and i still don't you know it's still not uh, uh something that i do well with and i always envied people who could like dish it out and could take it, you know just as much (laughs) and that's just like their friendship you know that like a lot of people who don't take themselves too seriously don't think of themselves more highly than they should and they allow themselselves to be uh, made fun of. Uh, Comedy Central always does these roasts where oh, they bring yeah. on comedians and they bring a famous person on. And the whole point of the show is just to like drink coffee, make fun <laughs> of that, uh, to to uh, make fun of that one person. And my whole life, I've been like, that sounds awful. <laughs> that sounds like my own personal hell just to have people <laughs> spend an hour making fun of me. But I think there's some real value there. In um, uh, having the uh, ability to let people make fun of you in that way. Uh, and so the, <laughs> the difficulty with that is that it's something we try, maybe I'll say I try in particular with what we're doing, uh, to not take myself too seriously in that way. 
we're finishing recording a different episode. So. Have a seat. Okay. Got the deep dive podcast. <laughs> um, you can keep this in if you want, no, or okay. not. Yeah. Zach just walked in, so. <laughs> hey. Uh, I'm about to start a new. Aunt. Spoilers, about to start a new series with Zach on the book of Revelation. So Ooh, you guys cool. want to be checking that out. That's coming out here soon. <laughs> but uh, maybe this is a good example of exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, I, I always remember <laughs> yeah. Joey particularly mentioning that in his previous church experience, he never had the ability to just like when something went wrong on stage, he couldn't just talk about it. He had to just like pretend it wasn't happening and just like push through it. And there was a famous moment uh, amongst ourselves a few months ago where Joey went to sing a song and the battery had died in his microphone. And so he goes and he's trying to sing and nobody can hear anything. And so he just like leans away from the mic and like screams back at us in the sound booth. He's like, the mic is dead. (laughs) (laughs) And the whole uh, room laughed. We went and we got a battery, brought it up, plugged it in and got going. but Joey was talking about how much he just, that was refreshing to him because at his previous churches, he would have never have been allowed to just like scream out, hey, the mic is dead. Can you bring <laughs> me another battery? <laughs> but he loved that we don't take ourselves seriously enough that we can just be like, hey, we're not super produced. We're not super polished. Oh, yeah. That's like the worst feeling like when you get called to the back by the pastor and you're just like, okay, this is what you did wrong and this is why you should never do this again. It's yeah. like, <laughs> yeah. So we are trying to not... Uh, not acknowledge the fact that things like that are funny try to make fun of ourselves as much as possible um and like i said this one is one that uh, i would say uh is is one that i'm still working on but i'm trying to uh with with this in my and then the final thing that we especially are trying to focus on especially is as leaders in particular is that we really view our job as leaders to be here to serve you as in everybody else that is a member of the church. Unfortunately, I think there is a tendency sometimes for leaders to believe that the church is there to serve them. (laughs) Um, So, you know, the leader has their own vision, their own ideas for what the church is supposed to do, and you get a lot of volunteer workers and people here to serve the leader and their ideas. And we really think that the biblical example is the exact opposite. You can clearly see it in Jesus's uh, emphasis on washing his disciples' feet, mm-hmm. a activity that was done only by servants in Jesus' day and age. And he insists on doing it with his disciples because, again, Jesus knows what's coming up. The crucifixion is just around the corner. And what is the m- biggest lesson, biggest object lesson that is in the forefront of his mind for his disciples to understand? You are here to serve other people. You need to wash other people's feet. And you brought up the uh, different, the was it fivefold ministry? Uh-huh. Um, and I've heard different models like that, that one as well. A lot of them are based on a particular passage in Ephesians that talks about how God gave some people to be uh, preachers, teachers, prophets, evangelists. There's a list of different uh, gifts that are given mm-hmm. to church leadership in Ephesians. But if you look at the context of it, Paul says that these gifts are given so that those leaders can then equip the church Mm -hmm. for ministry. And the point being the whole church is ministering Mm -hmm. the leaders, the the evangelists, the preachers, the teachers, these people, what they're doing is they are equipping, they're giving the members the tools so that they can then go be the ones that go out and minister. And um, 
that is a part of why we do podcasts like this. It's a part of why we do um, uh, the Boring Bible podcast that Noah and Ashley are both doing. Uh, a part of why we try to do our spiritual formation nights as ways to give you tools for your own spiritual formation rather than uh, just big fun church events that make our own ministries bigger. Uh, um, that's that's really my goal, I'll say, personally, as a leader. Like, I, I would love to just be everybody else's biggest hype man and help make everybody else really, really... Uh, amazing at whatever ministries God has prepared for them to do. Um, And I think there's some like uh, to tie in that there's some like biblical precedent with how the apostles, when they were first starting the church in acts, uh, they got to a point where they started seeing a lot of needs in the community. And instead of saying, Oh, we're going to go, I'll do this. You know, they said, okay, this is a job that uh, we need to, delegate to other people Mm -hmm. um not because they're just trying to dodge work but because they realized that the work they were doing which they specifically mention is praying Mm -hmm. and uh, ministry of the word ministry of the word um they say that's our job it's Mm -hmm. not our job to start a soup kitchen it's not our job to go out and evangelize it's Mm -hmm. our job to pray and to teach the word and we'll appoint other people in the church to do those things and I think that's really humble like I think that's a way better way of thinking about it than thinking everybody in the church should go start a soup kitchen everybody in the church should go and do this you know that's in reality uh, people have specific gifts and I think they recognize that and I think that's the the humility that that uh, they showed that I also want to show and I think that's kind of the the way to go about it yeah and so to combine what Noah was saying with Um, the verse you brought up about Jesus washing people's feet. And um, I think it's helpful. And I think there's a lot of wisdom understanding where your weakness and strengths lie. So you know what kind of work you need to be doing so that you're not wasting your time doing the wrong kind of work because then that's just ineffective for everybody. So it's like understanding everybody has an assignment they're supposed to do, but everybody's assignment doesn't look the same. But I think also with that, a part of being humble is understanding that there's certain things that shouldn't be beneath you to do like not having that attitude Mm -hmm. because that kind of reminded me of how um, Garrett had told me this story about like you know our pastor's wife she was doing some type of cleanup work in the church I don't know if she was sweeping or mopping or doing something and there was another um, woman from a church and she was like you're the pastor's wife and you're cleaning the church like that's not what you're supposed to be doing you know almost as if she's not allowed to do that because just because she's married to the pastor and she's just like it doesn't bother me like I don't care I'll do it you know so it's like the attitude that like just because I am who I am doesn't mean that mopping the floor or washing dishes is beneath me it's like we're all here to help one another in whatever way that we're supposed to so it's like the idea of just being humble in that because jesus could have easily said the same thing like i'm the son of god i don't wash people's feet like what are you talking about but then he did it because he was giving us an example of how we should treat one another so yeah and so (laughs) you you got to be open to whatever you know got to be open to um whatever it is that god may call you to do and uh we are emulating Jesus in that way, you know, with, with everything, with washing people's feet and especially with the humility that we see that he laid out. So, um, as with all of these, there are things that we're working on as a church. We're trying to get better at, we're trying to do more things to get better at embodying this and making it actually a core value, not just something we talk about, uh, <laughs> or don't talk about as we did before. Um, but, uh, you, we're, we're going to con- continue pushing forward. Um, Next week, we're going to be talking about 
ritual, which uh, in some ways is maybe the more controversial core value that we have. I think a lot of churches may uh, bristle up at the fact that a core value of ours is ritual. Um, But I think you'll be able to see that in a lot of ways, we believe that ritual is one of the best ways that we as church leaders can equip people for ministry. Like you were saying, Ashley, um, God has specific things for people to do. Mm -hmm. Earlier in the book of Ephesians, Paul says that God prepared good works in advance for Mm -hmm. each one of us to do. Mm -hmm. And um, our job as leaders is to prep people, give them the tools so that they can do those good works that God prepared for them. One of the biggest ways, uh, one of the most life-changing ways that we think we can do that is through ritual. So if you want to understand what we mean by that, you got to tune in next week to the uh, core value series on the Deep Dive podcast here as we go through ritual. Uh, Besides that, I hope to see you guys this Sunday um, at our uh, church service. We're starting at 6 o'clock this year, not Mm -hmm. 7 o'clock. So uh, anytime you want to swing by, swing by 6 o'clock, 3097 Night Road. We would love to see uh, all of y'all come into our service. Otherwise, we will... uh, You'll get to listen to us, I guess. We won't see you, but you'll get to listen to us next week on the Deep Dive Podcast. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.